anyway, here we are. We are in the conclusion of our sermon series on prayers. I've enjoyed it. It's been a lot of fun. Um, but the reality of all of this is that we all know that we need to pray more. Um, but the problem with that is sometimes we simply just don't enjoy praying. If you did, you would do it more. Think about that. Sometimes it becomes so redundant, it, it becomes so um, just over and over and over again for us that we, we actually get bored within prayer. You know, I've actually heard some people tell me this before, and, and I'm not going to say that I've not tried it before, but I can't sleep, so I'm going to pray because I might fall asleep. One of the some of y'all get that later on, I don't know. Some of you are way more holy than me. That's exciting for you. But one of the challenges of this is that people just don't know how to pray. Um, they don't know what to say. They don't know what to do. And so what we've been doing is we've been looking uh, throughout the scriptures, throughout the Bible. And the Bible gives great instruction on how you and I, we can pray, we can communicate with God. How many of you know that with a relationship with no communication is not a relationship at all? Right? It just really becomes a contract of some sort. And you know, contracts, unfortunately, they say are not made to be broken, but they are broken often. And so it's very important that we are in a state of communication when it comes, in fact, the Bible really jumps out through us within our theme verse in Ephesians chapter 6, verse 18. It says this, and what? Pray in the Spirit on what? All occasions. Right, all occasions, that's like, you know, before you go to bed, that's before my boys are going to school or in the vehicle. I say, all right, guys, time to pray. Carter speaks up, starts praying, you know, and uh, which is great. Um, pray before bed, you know, food, right? We pray, how about this? God is great, God is good. We thank you for our food by our hands. Give us, Lord, our daily bread. And then we go, amen, right? And how many times do we just say that and we're just kind of going through it? Really not giving appreciation, just going through what? The motions, right? We do that a lot. And, but the Bible says that we are to pray on all occasions, and it goes on to say in expanding on, with all kinds of prayers and requests. So there's different types of prayers, but there's also different types of requests. Like different types of things you're going to ask God to do. Different types of patterns that there are within prayers. He goes on to say, but with this in mind, be alert. I love it because here's the first part of the whole deal. The, whole, the, the first part is centering, what, around you and that you need to be praying, right? You need to be praying on all occasions. You need to be praying with um, different types of requests, different types of patterns of prayers, all this. But then he says, while you're doing this, you need to be in mind, what? Be alert. Always keep on praying for all, what? of the Lord's people. That's very important. He specifically is pointing out that we must be in seasons of prayer all the time within our lives, but when we're doing it, we're not to just be focused on me, but I need to be focused on you. Now, in week one, we looked at a great pattern or progressive progression of, of prayer. We studied the makeup of the Old Testament tabernacle and how it can really relate to our prayer life. Week two, we looked at the prayer of Jabez, right? We want blessing. We want God's presence. We want God's influence. We want God's protection. Now, I always say this when it comes down to God's blessing because I think we can really get caught up 
in, in, in a prosperity type of gospel, and that's not me. I'm, I'm, if you're looking for a prosperity message and prosperity gospel, I'm gonna help you out. You come to the wrong pastor. It's not what I do. I believe what God intends for us is according to his purpose, plan, and will. That is what our prayer life should consist of. This is my expectation of God, not a wish list and a to-do list, but God, what, is your, what have you purposed for my life? I don't want to get in the way, Lord, of what you have purposed for my life. I don't want to get in the way of your will, Father. Let me help you out. If you're not excited about life, chances are you're not living out the will of God in your life. Let me help you out. You could be going through the darkest, deepest storm that you could possibly go through right now, but yet still be within the will of God and still be able to sit there and go, I know I'm in God's hands through it all. There's nothing like being in the presence of God. There's nothing like being in the will of God. You want to experience great joy? Do what God wants you to do. Give up your own and go after what his plan is. Um, week three, we looked at the prayer of the New Testament church, which was marked by a lot of energy. They had passion. They had excitement about them. And so today what we're going to do is we're going to look at something that we can do when we pray, but first I want to frame it up with this question, and it's this. Pay attention. Why should God answer our prayers? Like, why, why should he? Does he have to? Does he want to? Th things like this kind of go through our mind. Well, God should answer my prayer because I went to church this week. Well, congratulations. You got to hang out with me for a little bit, all right? How about, God knows my heart. He might know your heart, but has he heard your voice? He might know your heart, but have you given him the attention that is needed? My wife might say, well, my husband, uh, you know, I know his heart. I know he wants to be around me. I know he wants to love me. I know he wants to help take care of his family. But then again, if I'm not doing my part, mm, there's a problem here, right? How about this? Um, he does it because I repented. All of these are, are, are pretty valid. Let's just be honest. They're all very valid. But we can also switch them around and go, well, is it all because of you? Are you doing all of this because of what you want? Again, remember, what did the, what did the scripture say? That we're, keep in mind, be alert, and pray for what? Everyone else, all of the Lord's people. All of these are great, and, and all these statements that I said are necessary, but God's not answering your prayers simply based on you. And listen, that should bring a little hope to us because if you remember last week, we looked at some prayers that were answered by people who didn't even have confidence that their prayers were gonna be answered. And that when their prayers were answered, they were in question and going, no, nah, that can't be. Remember the story of Rhoda with Peter? They're praying, the New Testament church is praying for, for the disciple Peter to be released from jail. And the adults and the leaders, I'm giving you a recap, sorry, some of you weren't here. I can see you're lost already, all right? And, and they're, 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 they're praying for their, their, what they consider as their spiritual leader, the, you know, the, the rock, as the Bible tells us there. And uh, so they're praying and, and they're asking for God to bring release. And so it happens, even Peter himself walks out of jail and was like, am I, am I dreaming? Is this really happening? And he goes on to, his, the Bible says, to his own people, 
which are his friends, his makeup of family friends. He goes there and, and he starts knocking on the door. And while this big prayer meeting was going on, this little servant girl comes over and, and she hears Peter's voice and she doesn't even answer the door. She runs back to the others and says, Peter's at the door. And they're like, no, no, he's not. He's in jail. But they've been praying for the release. Are you following me here? So we can understand that sometimes God still answers prayer, not based upon us, but really based upon what his plan, his purpose, what he wants to do. So what we're going to do today and get into is include all the prayers or patterns that we, we should have looked at, but yet not yet pointed out. Right, listen to this. Each prayer is based upon, should be based upon the character of God. Like, oh God, you are not, oh God, I am. Let, let me rephrase that. Like, God, you are. You are majestic. You are sovereign. You are mighty. Not, oh God, I have repented. Oh God, I'm, I'm trying my best. Oh God, look at my current situation. In fact, Proverbs says that righteous people run to the name of God. And what do they do? They find safety. I'm going to ask this question. Don't answer it out loud. But who needs some safety within your life right now? Jesus taught uh, the prayer, and, and he mentions the, the Lord's name within the, our, you know, the Lord's prayer. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be what? Your name. Again, Jesus himself, not even starting off with requests, but starting off with the character and the true nature of who God is. Paul said in Philippians chapter 2, Jesus has given, was given what? A name above all other names. That at the name of Jesus, what must happen? Every demon has to bow. So our prayers should be based upon the authority of who God is and what he wants to do within our lives, knowing that we carry this authority. I want to encourage you to use the name of God within your prayer life. Understand this, there are eight covenant names of God mentioned within scripture. What is interesting is that we're going to break down a passage of Scripture that lists all eight qualities within six verses. So let's take a look and read Psalm 23. And let's, can we read this together? Y'all can, can talk this morning, right? You haven't, talk, you haven't sung so much that your voices are silent, right? Let's do it. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He makes me to lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside the still waters. He restores my soul. And he leads me in the paths of righteousness for his name's sake. But yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will what? Fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. My cup runs over. Surely... Goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Amen. Man, what a powerful passage of Scripture that is. What we're going to do is, is we're going to take a look at eight names that are within, that are clearly defined within that passage of Scripture. Now, I'm going I'm to help you out here. I didn't provide every note that I could provide for you this morning, so you might need to write down 
a few things as we're going through this. But then the first thing that we look at, number one, is that what? You are my shepherd, right? Psalm 23.1 says, the Lord is my shepherd. He's not just a shepherd, but he is our shepherd. He is my shepherd. In other words, I want us to get so close to God that that bond is so tight that we are, are, are literally looking at him as our lead, as our shepherd in our lives. Not just a, a, a being that we sing about, but God, he is what? My God, he is my savior. Listen, that he is what? The best gift ever. God is the best gift ever. Look, when we're talking about our relationship with Jesus Christ, in no way should we do so in a manner of just, yeah, I go to church. Yeah, I do. I, yeah, yeah I'm, I'm, a, I'm a Christian. We need to understand that what we have is greater than anything either one of us could ever give each other. That God has already blessed us with so much. So here's what I want to do. I want to give you uh, what the actual Jewish, uh, the Old Testament would name him, the Hebrew covenant name for God. And the first one is this, um, Jehovah Reha. All right, you might want to write that down. That's, that part's not in your notes. And, and all that is really meaning, and it says is, is this. Watch, it's very interesting. God, he is my pastor. He's my pastor. He's my, he's my shepherd. God is looking to have with each and every one of us a relationship that is so bound with love. A relationship that allows individuals to be able to communicate not out of burden or even necessity, but that because we simply want to. That God is my pastor in the sense of, Lord, I need to learn more about you. I need to allow your word. Father God, every day, I, I need to be within your scriptures. I need to be on my knees in prayer. I need to have seasons of fasting within my life. I need to have seasons, God, that, 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 that Father, you are my pastor. I, I want that one-on-one -on -one relationship with you. Um, John chapter 10, verse 14, speaking of Christ, says this, I am the what? Good shepherd. I know my sheep. But watch this. Here's, here's the, here's the, here's, I love this part. This is the key. We know that God knows us, but he goes on to say something very direct toward us. He goes, but what? My sheep know me. Not only do I know them, but watch this. They know me. They're taking the time out in their lives to build relationship with me. I've given them everything that I have. I've given them all of me. For God so loved the world that he gave what? His only begotten son. I've given them the most precious of me. But my sheep not only know me, or not, not only do I know them, but the Bible says that they know me. Starting my day every day by acknowledging that God, thank you for being my shepherd. God, thank you for being my pastor. Thank you for what? Leading me and guiding me. Number two, you are my provider. The scripture reads, the Lord is my shepherd. And he says, what? I shall not want. Not that you don't want him. Sometimes people get that confused. But it's that you will not have want within your life. In other words, those needs, the necessities. That God is what? Taking care of everything that I need. According to what? His purpose, plan, and will. 
Purpose, plan, and will. Say it with me. Purpose, plan, and will. There's a big difference there. We need to understand that. It's not always about the to-do list and the wish list and all these things. Not to say that God's not going to do those things, but our focus needs to be, Lord, what is it that you have purpose, planned, and will for my life? You're going to provide for my need, right? We have a tendency, um, and well, I jump forward here. The, the, the covenant name is this, Jehovah Jireh, right? He supplies everything I need, every single thing. We have a tendency to be our own providers. Um, you don't want to trust in riches. You want to trust in him who richly what? Provides. Um, if we don't, then we will make our job the focus or accomplish certain things as the focus. Let me help you out. If we don't allow him to be the focus, our job will be the focus, or the things that we're trying to accomplish in life will be the focus. Have you ever been in a season like that before? Seriously? Where everything is geared around what you need to get done, like your schedule is so stinking busy, and, and if, if, you know, if I could just get through this season, we've, we say it all the time, I even say it. If I could just get through this season, things will slow down. Yeah, right. There's nothing wrong with working hard. There's nothing wrong with earning, but don't trust in that. Our trust is supposed to be in God himself. Um, Philippians chapter four, verse 19 says this, and my God will what? Meet all your needs. In other words, uh, you know, church by the beach here, we don't supply your needs. Who does? God meets all of your needs. And how does he do it? According to his glorious riches in Christ Jesus. Let me help you out here for a second. You may not know this, but I'm gonna, I'm gonna give you a revelation that's gonna change your life. <laughs> it's sarcastic. God owns everything. You understand that? God owns everything. Don't trust in you, trust in him. Don't trust within that influence of circle. Trust in him. Rely on him. Let him be the lead. Let him be the guide. Oftentimes, here's what we'll do. We're going through a bad, I got to get right on Facebook, social media. I need, I need prayer now from everybody. Give me, what should I do about this situation? I see it all the time. Have we gone to prayer first? Stop using it as what? Our last resort. Let's go to God. He is what? Your shepherd. He's your pastor. He wants that closeness. He wants that relationship. He is what? He is your provider. And when we are doing this and we're fully relying on this, there's something that comes over our lives, and this is this. You are my peace. Peace. My favorite scripture verse, Psalm 4610, be still and know that I am God. I love it within scripture. Anytime you hear like a gentle whisper of the Lord, you read it, God is really throwing some emphasis there. And sometimes the only way that we can truly hear from God is when we go, I need to be still. Everything around me is telling me to, to, to worry and to fret. My mind is racing 100 mile an hour. I need to be still. I need to calm down. What, what did the scripture say? It says, he makes me to what? Lie down. It doesn't say he suggests. Can you throw that up there? Psalm 23, 2. He makes me to what? Lie down. Makes me. 
He's saying you need to stop. You need to slow down. Why? Because I'm going to make a way. But it says he makes me to lie down in green pastures. And then he does something even, even more astonishing. He leads me, what, beside the still waters. You know, when we, when we worship who he is in our prayer time, he becomes our peace. I can't tell you guys time and time again how I've been in those chaotic moments in my own personal life. Times where I've been at my home or, or I've been here at the church or I've been in my vehicle and, you know, you, you, get, you get bad news or you're in that season of what seems to be continually bad news. And you actually take time and you remember, oh, well, maybe I should pray about this. And you start praying about it and, and you start not, not necessarily about what's going on, but you start acknowledging who God is. And it's amazing how that Holy Spirit comes in and goes, slow down a bit. Let's relax. Let's calm down. Um, I love this. I, I put an asterisk beside this. God doesn't have peace for you. He is peace. It's his nature. He possesses it. Isaiah says that Jesus is what? The Prince of Peace. So that brings us to our covenant name. What is it? Jehovah Shalom. Defined as he is our peace. In this room right now, there are those of you who are under great amount of stress, great amount of worry. So many things are up in the air, rocky. Some of you, life's going good and you're worried about the season that's gonna come. You ever been there? Makes no sense, does it? You're worrying when you're in it, and then you're worrying when you're out of it because you know something potentially could come around the corner. So what do we do? Our life is just full of worry. I love this, and, and I, I haven't researched it any more than when I first heard it, which was like 15 years ago. But something like 80% of what you worry about doesn't even come to pass anyway. A lot of wasted time, huh? There's a scripture, and it comes from um, Ecclesiastes chapter 4. Verse six, it's not in your notes, but it says this. Better one handful with tranquility than two handfuls with toil and chasing after the wind. Some of you just keep chasing, right? Watch this. We carry the thoughts of this. If one is good, two is better, right? If one dollar is good, two dollars are better. If one activity is good, two activities are better. If one child is good, two children are insane. <laughs> Here we go. If one wife is good, two wives are wrong. I say that. Here's a joke, right? There's this seminary student, and uh, he's, he's in class, and the professor, and they're talking about King Solomon. So the seminary student raises his hand and says, hey, listen, um, why did King Solomon have a thousand wives? And the professor looks at him and goes, in the hopes of when he returned home from work, one would be in a good mood. All the men said, amen. I love that. I thought that was great. I mean, I was like, I heard that this week and I was like, I'm writing that down. John chapter 14, verse 27, Jesus says, peace I leave with you. My peace I give to you. Do you know when somebody gives you something, there's no strings attached to that? That's a gift. He says, I do not give to you as the world gives. In other words, it's expecting something in return, right? 
Do not let your hearts be troubled and do not be afraid. That's a peaceful verse right there. All right, so let's move on. Number four, what else is God? He is this. He is our healer. You are my healer. Psalm 23.3 says he does something very interesting. He restores my soul. The word restore means to come back from the place it left or return to the place of origin. Like health is here, but he restores and he brings it back to a place of its origin. Marriage, bringing marriages back to its place of origin. Listen, you serve a God, we serve a God who wants to bring back everything that the devil has ever taken away from us. Anything that we have allowed to be stolen or taken away, or simply watch this, anything and everything that we have given up. Sometimes I think we give the enemy way too much credit. He's not that smart. But God is what? He is our healer. Not just in the reference and the physical, but he's also our healer within the spiritual. Um, the covenant name for this is Jehovah Rapha. It means he returns me back. First Peter, uh, the scripture here, it's not in your notes, but First Peter chapter two, I bet you guys wonder, why, why does he have stuff that's not in his notes? Well, because by the time I give him my notes, other things come, all right? But First Peter chapter two, verses 24 through 25, and it requires you to work a little bit too. He says this, he himself bore our sins in his body on the cross so that we may die to sin and live for what? Righteousness. By his wounds, you have been what? Healed. For you were like sheep going astray. But now you have returned to the shepherd and the overseer of your souls. It's a very encouraging passage right there. So not only is he our healer. Now, here we go. Number five. God, you are my righteousness. Let's look at that scripture reference. Psalm chapter 23, verse 3 says, he leads me in the paths of righteousness for what? His name's sake. I find it interesting that righteousness has a path, right? We all know that there's a right way to go and a wrong way to go, okay? There was, a, it was last year, we're driving, we're, we're, we're headed up to Baltimore to, to go to an O's game. And uh, my, my GPS always gives me a different route than what I know is the shortest way. Are you following me? Like I know, I, I grew up there. I know where I'm going. This is an easy, easy route to go. And, and, and so we're driving and I, it looked to me a little bit of traffic in front of me where the GPS was saying, go off on this exit. And I thought to myself, well, let's give it a shot. Can't be that off. So I go and I hit it. And instead of taking all interstate, I'm taking some back roads with stoplights going through towns and all. I'm going, holy cow, this is the wrong way. Oftentimes we know the right way to go, but the culture, society that we are surrounding, the people of influence that we allow to speak into our lives every day might be trying to get us a different direction. But the Holy Spirit is saying, no, you need to stay on this path. But we go, but let's just test it and let's see for a moment. And then we get caught up in it and we're like, shouldn't have done that. Shouldn't have went that way. We need to understand that as Christ followers, all of your sins have been paid for. Your past, your present, your future. And not only has God done all of this, but he's also making a path for us to live within our lives. So here's the covenant name 
uh, that we see within the scriptures, and it's Jehovah Sidkenu, right? The T's silent. It's like, I don't understand that. Why don't they just take the T off of it, right? But Jehovah Sidkenu, what does that mean? That means God is working righteousness in our lives. Let me ask you this. Who needs God to work in your life? Well, some of you are doing way better than me. Right? We need God continually working within our lives. We think a righteous life is a boring life. It's not. There's so much. It's so much better. 1 Peter chapter 1, verses 14 through 15 says this. As obedient children, do not conform to the evil desires you had when you lived in ignorance. In other words, things you did because you didn't know any better. But just as he who called you is holy... So what? Help me out here. So what? Be holy in all you do. Here we go. So being holy, that, that, that's where we get like, minds blown. I don't know how to be holy. That's, that's, that's got to have a lot of responsibility behind it. Do you know what that truly means? Be different. Be different. You say you're a Christ follower, then be different from the culture and the world. If you're a Christ follower and those that you surround your life with cannot see a difference between you and society, well, then are we being holy? Think about it. Are we doing as that scripture said? All right, here we go. Understanding this, everywhere we go, God is what? He is there with us. So we have a number six, and he is this. You are my constant companion. I love that God will never leave me, and he'll never forsake me. Psalm 23, 4 says, Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will what? Fear no evil. Why is that? Because you're with me. Your rod, your staff, they do something. They comfort. See, I, I think we, we are guilty of just reading through the scriptures, deduce and say that we have read through them. Rather than breaking it down and saying, when I walk through these moments in life, when I go through these troubled times, these hardships, these valleys, as the scripture's saying, I have no fear. Why? Because God's with you. He's there. He's with you. He's protecting his rod. His staff is there, what? To comfort me during this. Why? Because God sincerely cares about you. You may have grown up in a home where you could honestly say that you grew up and you felt like no one cared about you. Let me help you out. God cares. You may be stuck in a rut right now and you think you have no friendships, those close-knit relationships are, are falling apart and you have nothing. Let me help you out. God cares. You are not alone in this rat race called life. God truly cares about you. Now, we can look at the covenant name and that is this, Jehovah Shammah. What does that mean? He's always by your side. There's no place that you can go that God isn't there with you. That you are simply not alone. You may feel like you're going through all of this on your own, but I want you to understand that your heavenly father, he's there comforting you. He's on your side. 
He's protecting you. The Bible, like I said before, clearly tells us he's never going to leave you. He's never going to forsake you. I love this. That what We understand no weapon formed against us will what prosper. Every tongue that rises against us will be condemned. Why? Because your heavenly father is what? There. Protecting. Hebrews chapter 13, verses 5 through 6 says this. God has said, neither, never will I leave you. Never will I forsake you. So we say with confidence, the Lord is why, what? Helper. I will not be afraid. We can, we can mere mortals. What can mere mortals do to me? Well, nothing. Why? Because he's your defender, number seven. Psalm chapter 23, verse five says, you prepare a table before me in the what? Presence of my enemies. In other words, while the enemies are trying to pick a fight, God is saying, don't worry. I've got this. I'm going to handle this. The covenant name to that is Jehovah Nisi. In other words, you are my banner of victory. The best way that I can explain that to you is that we're sitting here this morning. We're going to have lunch after church. You're going to watch the Super Bowl this evening. While you and I have men and women stationed across all this globe who are raising a banner of protection so that we can enjoy the freedoms that we have today. Your heavenly father is doing the exact same thing for your life. Second Thessalonians chapter three, verse three says this, but the Lord, what is, what is God? He is faithful. He is faithful. Thank you. Nice emotion there. He is faithful. He's not going to turn his back on you. He's not going to give up. I'm washing my hands. Good luck in hell. As a Christ follower, he is what? Faithful. He's going to be there when you call out to him. He hears your prayer. He's listening. He's paying attention to your life. He knows when you're hurting. He knows also when you're victorious. He says, but the Lord is faithful and he will strengthen you and he's going to do something. Not only strengthen so we think, God, I need you to strengthen me so I can fight this battle. No, no, he's going to, I'm going to strengthen you and then I'm going to fight it for you. I'm going to protect you from the evil one. I love that. All right, here we go. Last one, number eight. Everybody say amen. amen. You are my sanctifier. Psalm 23, five says this, you anoint my head with oil and my cup runs over. So, the anointing is giving me what? A supernatural ability that we have more than what we need, right? Why do we have more than what we need? Why is God giving us more than what we need? Can, we, can you go back to the, to the first? Uh, let's go back to Psalm 23. I want us to read everything. I want us to read the whole thing again out loud, okay? Sorry, Joe. What is he? The Lord is my shepherd. Hold on, don't read it. I'm gonna read it. The Lord is... My, understand that, shepherd, right? He goes on to say, I, that means me, you, we're not gonna have a want. Let's go to verse two. He makes what? Me to do something, to lie down in green pastures. He's also doing something else. He leads me, see the pattern here, beside the still waters. Let's go to verse three. He restores what? 
my soul. He leads what? Me in paths of righteousness for his name's sake. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, again, I, everything's about who? Me, right? Everything's about I. I will fear no evil for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. My cup runs over. But why is my cup running over? He's doing all this great work within my life. The early church is a great example of this. The Bible says that, that when there was a need within the community, within their own, they were taking their stuff, they were selling it, and they were fulfilling the need. And when they did so, they rejoiced with one another. They didn't do so with like, look what I did for him. Now, what are you gonna give me back in return? They did so that they could help one another out. And as they were doing this, they were rejoicing and they were laughing, they were serving God, they were praising. They have never been so happy before in their life. And the Bible said something very specific, that as they were doing this, their number was added to daily. What does that mean? More and more people came to Christ. Now go back to that last scripture again. I wanna point this out. And I, no, that wasn't it. Verse five, there we go. And you prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. My cup runs over. You know why the cup is running over? As God's pouring into you and pouring into you and pouring, giving you more than you ever deserve, pouring into you and pouring into you, giving you more of his purpose and will and plan for your life, pouring into you and pouring into you, giving you joy and strength and courage. He's protecting you within your life. Why? Because what he's pouring into you is going to be what? Pressed down, shaken together, and running what? Over. So that everyone within our influence and in our circle that we come in contact with will then be what? Affected by it. God is preparing you. God is strengthening you. God is doing a work in your life. And yes, it is for you, but not just you. It's for everyone around you. I want you to stand with me this morning. The covenant name for this is Jehovah Imkadesh. God has set you apart for something special. Do you know that? God has set you apart for something special. You're called. You're anointed. Your cup runs over. 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 9 says, this. This should be encouraging for us. But we are what? We are a chosen people. We are a royal priesthood. We are a holy nation. We are God's special possession. You are God's special possession. You're special. That you may declare the praise of him who called you out of darkness and what? In to his marvelous light. God is wanting to do this. Why? So you can make a difference. So that he can make a difference through you and other people. Hebrews chapter 13, verses 20 through 21 says, Now may the God of peace, who through the blood of, eternal, of the eternal covenant, brought back from the dead our Lord Jesus, the great shepherd of the sheep, equip you with everything good for doing his will. And may he work in us what is pleasing to him through Jesus Christ 
To him be the glory forever and ever. Amen. God answers prayer based on who he is and not who we are. Based on who he is and not who we are. You know, we're, we're done with this um, sermon series now on prayers. I hope that you were able to gain from it. I hope that it is uh, equipping you and helping you. You're finding patterns and, and, and you've seen some examples of different prayers. And that's just a few things. The Bible's full of them. Go dig into it. It's amazing what you will find. But all of this truly, I mean, you want that growth. You want God to run over and, and spill over in your life so that you're making an impact on others. Let me help you out. You first have to make a commitment to Jesus Christ. I mentioned this before, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever believeth in him shall not perish, but have everlasting life. The only way to get to the son is what? To the father. Or to get to the father since the son. He cares deeply about you. He loves you. And you may be here today and you've not made a commitment to Jesus Christ and you, you feel compelled, you feel the Holy Spirit speaking to you. Let me help you out. Stop delaying. Stop delaying that moment. Stop delaying it. God wants that relationship so bad. As the psalmist said, let the words of our mouth and the meditation of our heart be acceptable in your sight. Oh Lord, our strength and our redeemer. In Jesus' name we pray. And the church says, Amen. We love you guys. Have a great Sunday.